is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Speaking with Marcus Sloan, who's got ties through basketball all over the place. <laughs> Local, state, international. Uh, his Twitter handle is Big Sloan. Big Sloan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. First, thank you for uh, taking time to speak to me. For those no who problem. No problem at don't all. know about Marcus Sloan, give us a little bit of your, your hoop background. Oh, born and raised in Houston. Um, played at Eisenhower High School all four years there. Um, ended up after that getting a scholarship opportunity to play at TCU, uh, Fort Worth, and played all four years at TCU. And after TCU, uh, decided to play professionally in Europe, uh, play one year in Germany, five in Switzerland, and my last year in France. Uh, so, you know, and the whole time I played in Europe, I was doing basketball camps in the summer when I would come home. And so um, just, man, from doing the summer camps, I kind of started getting coaching. Uh, got started coaching the AAU with the Houston Hoops and went from the Hoops, the Hoops to the Houston Defenders on the Under Armour circuit. In the past three years, I started, um, in 2018, started my scouting service, uh, OTR Exposure. So just kind of covering hit kids in the greater Houston area, state of Texas, uh, you know, all over the country watching these kids play and writing college, you know, reports for college coaches, uh, sending it to them, just trying to help as many kids as I can and just grow the uh, scouting service business. And how has that been impacted with COVID-19, man? How are you still doing all uh, that? Work? Man, it's, it's, it's funny you say that just because, uh, you know, the NCAA, these coaches, obviously, they can't get out. Um, it's a dead period. When normally in April, we would have had two live periods where the coaches come out and watch the kids. But now it's because of COVID and everybody's been under quarantine, uh, we, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to come out and watch kids. So for me, uh, it, it, it makes my reports a little more important to watching the kids from their high school season, taking all the notes and getting the film from their high school coaches off their huddle accounts, putting that together in my reports. Uh, and actually today is the first day that college coaches can contact rising juniors, kids in the class of 2022. So it was, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me getting reports on all those rising juniors, how they played last year and the, uh, during the high school season and where they'll be playing hopefully soon uh, during the summer. And it's just kind of compiling that report and sending it to all the schools that subscribe to my service. Uh, you know, I also do basketball tournaments, so that's been really tough. Uh, obviously, I, you know, with us being on quarantine, I was able to have my first tournament last weekend, which is pretty good. I was excited about it. And then I have another one coming up this weekend that will be pretty big. So slowly but surely um, getting back in the swing of things. How was the turnout for the, uh, your event? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I tried to keep it small. We only had 32 teams. We had one facility. Uh, we had two courts at, at the Legacy School. It went really well. Uh, we had uh, everyone had to wear masks when they entered the building. And you walked and you tried to follow all the, um, you know, CDC guidelines with social, dis- social distancing. Uh, we made people come in one way, leave out the other. Everybody had to enter with masks. We did fever checks um, upon entering the building. And uh, after each game, we had the fans and the players leave the facility, clean down the bleachers, clean down the benches, and the next set of parents and players for the next game came in. So it was a little bit of uh, obviously a different setup for us, but we just want to keep everybody safe. 
and and so we had to take those precautions. How many games? So how many times did you did y'all have to clean up? Uh, after each game. So how many games was that? It was total uh, forty-eight games total. Wow. Yep. And so what happens with the scheduling? We just schedule um, the games an hour and ten minutes. So each each game, you know, we play two fourteen-minute halves. So in real time, it's about forty-five minutes. So we just cleaned up, you know, fifteen minutes, ten to fifteen minutes after each game. Like I said, just you know, it's it's part of our new normal. If we want to have events, if we want to keep everybody safe. Did you receive any flack from, not necessarily flack, or, but any concerns from parents or kids or coaches about uh, precautions you were taking before they attended? Yes, um, a lot of teams wanted to see our, uh, you know, what we plan to do as far as our precautions. So we we, t- we typed up something to put on our website, and we also have something that we sent out to the parents. Um, so, but uh, everybody actually really. They were impressed and they appreciated um, being able to, uh, you know, um, be safe and 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 be, be comfortable in the gym. And so, you know, that was that was something that um, I was glad about that uh, we were able to pull that off because it, it it definitely was something new. Um, it was a little bit challenging after each game to make sure the pe- the players and the parents left, and even you know after games normally the team shake hands, the players do, but we, we didn't even allow that. So. There were some new things we had to get used to, but I think we ended up working it out. Regarding the reports you do, how many how many reports do you c- compile? Well, so I compile um, six to eight reports a year, and I send them out to the school that subscribes to me. Right now I have 61 Division One schools that subscribe, uh, and I have nine Division Two schools and two NAIA schools. So, um, just six to eight times a year, I compile reports on how kids in the greatest Houston area are doing and send that to them. How thorough is How many players do you include in a report? Does it, does um, it change so each report? Yeah, how, how? yeah. well, so it, it'll, it, it just depends. Um, normally, I try to do between 40 to 45 kids per report, um, and I, I do d- various levels of kids from high majors, power five offers to the you know NAIA, uh, Division two kids. Um, it, it, it's very thorough, just talking about their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, you know, uh, giving them their, obviously giving the coaches the kids' cell phone numbers, giving the coaches the decision makers in their lives, whether it be their parents or an AAU coach or their guardian or whatever handler they may have, having their contact info on there as well, having the high school coaches' contact info, what high school they go to, and also with um, summer AAU team they play with. Did your playing career help you develop contacts that you were still oh, using or utilizing for the report, or you just had to do it and, and grow it the last few years? Well, yeah. So just it's it's ironic now because um, a lot of the guys who are coaching in college basketball currently are guys I kind of either played with or played against in college. So these guys, you know, they're my age around 37 or 35 to 40, now they're assistant coaches. So now, you know, those guys call me and hit me up about players and, and, and hit me up about getting info. And so it just kind of was one of the reasons why I started a service. You know, guys that hit me so much, I was like, you know what, I might as well start my own service. And so, uh, you know, now, like like you said, just having those relationships really helped. Do you 
is it a this is a solo effort? You got people helping you out with the info? Uh, or yeah, so out? it's uh, pretty much a solo. Then I have my guy Rob Carroll. Um, he during the high school basketball season, he's out covering most of the HISD games. So Rob Carroll helps me with that. Uh, he's really good, always in the gym. Hungry guy, humble, low key. Just gets in the gym, likes reports, does work. And so he and I kind of tag team it. And uh, you correct me if I'm wrong. You also, this is not just boys basketball. This is girls too, right? Well, so this is the first year that I'll be doing a girls event. And so, you know, I had two daughters. I'm uh, really excited about uh, getting a chance to evaluate, you know, some of the top players and top teams in our city. Uh, you know, the Side Creek team obviously pretty good. Shadow Creek will be good next year. Summer Creek High School, Shadow Creek High School, High Tower High School. So um, I'm excited to have these these um, girls teams playing in my you know first event next November 7th. Um, again, it'll be my first time. So um, just just feels good to get a chance to lay my eyes on some of them. How old are your daughters? Uh, they are seven and eight. <laughs> So they got a way to go to uh, yeah. get to the high school age, but still, yeah. they like basketball. Uh, you know what? They they kind of like coming to the gym with daddy every now and then, but they're more into like dancing. And uh, my okay. youngest Logan, she's into soccer. So okay, but you and I, yeah. people listening, are going to be still in the development stages. But we, I push you to uh, help me out and. Uh, we got to get it done, Sloan. So yeah, we have to have a girls award to go to the top girls player in the Houston area. So we yeah. got to put together a committee and get that done. So we still got time to do it, you know, to get the committee going. Yeah. But I'd like to get that right. done. And thank you for for your interest. And you're also going to be a part of uh, the boys' side for the Gary Lewis Award. That's, mm-hmm. uh, at some point this summer we're going to have a – a conference call, a Zoom meeting to discuss that on the fellas side, but okay, you know, I'll keep you in the loop on that too. But so on the boys side, the Gabby Lewis Award, and we got to get a name for a coach for the girls, the girls. award winner okay. too. So okay, I maybe the Pat Sherman Award possibly. Well, I you know I, I prefer, but the oh, committee's okay. going to decide this. Houston decides, yeah, Houston ties do it. So, but okay, okay, but yeah, we're going to discuss all of that. Your hooping career, yes, sir. What kind of player was Marcus Sloan? What kind of what could you do well? You know, <laughs> with, with this, uh, I was a I was a really good defender. Um, I got a defensive player of the year in Germany and in Switzerland. Um, just a high energy guy, rebounder, um, bow outlaw, bow outlaw type of guy. If I could you know bring it to an older school NBA guy, um, yeah. guard different guarded different positions, uh, played hard, rebound the ball, great teammate, great defender. Um, leader. That's kind of what I did in Europe, and kind of how I was able to make my money. What was? How were your experiences over in Germany and Switzerland? How how was that? Was it difficult? No, you know what? Um, I had a great time. Um, Germany is is really westernized. Um, they treated us great. The the, the league is brand very well, uh, very professional. Um, and and. It was so much fun in Germany to where that next year in Switzerland, I, I went to a smaller city. And so it was kind of difficult for me a little bit just because uh, I was so used to going out and partying and having a good time. And so many Americans in Germany, too, um, where going to a smaller city in Switzerland made it really, really tough. Did you get, have any problems getting paid on time? 
it was great, except my very last season in Switzerland, uh, the club I was with had some money troubles. And so um, I had to actually like, get like a lawyer and um, get my money half of the season. But um, other than that, man, like, like Switzerland was great. Germany was great. I, France, I always got paid on time, sometimes paid early. I, I never really had money problems like some of my other friends who played like in Italy and Turkey or even Greece who had like big money. You know, it was guys who were owed over 60K um, and, and took them, you know, sometimes two or three years to get that money. So uh, I, I, fortunately for me, I, I never had uh, those type of issues. How often were you paid? Once a month? Every two weeks? Uh, uh, no, we got paid once a month. Okay. So, yeah, in Europe, you you know, you, you get paid once a month, and the um, team, they uh, pay for your apartment or your home out there. They pay for the car and the insurance. They pay for all the utilities in the home, um, you know, car insurance, the whole thing. The only thing you have to pay for is food. And sometimes, depending on how big the um, club is or the team is, they even pay for that if they have, like, restaurant sponsors. Would you recommend playing overseas football to, to kids? You know, every kid has a dream of playing in the NBA. The NBA is not right. every kid. Correct. Um, again, it's one of those things I, I would never tell a kid not to chase his dream, but I will tell him to be realistic, right? Um, everybody can't play in the NBA. That is a tough place to get into, and it's a, it's a tough place to stick. Um, so if you have the opportunity and you're fortunate enough and, you know, things fall in line, because what people don't understand is a lot of things sometimes have to fall in line for guys to even get drafted or, or make an NBA team or or stick in the NBA. I mean, Chris, you see there's several guys who are McDonald's All-American, college All-Americans who play in the NBA two years and then, you know, they're overseas or they're out of the game. Um, talented players, skilled players, it's just, it's, it's, it's sometimes, man, it's a, it's a situation, it's a needs, it's a fit, you know, for guys sticking in the NBA. So, um, but I, I, I would definitely tell guys is you don't make the league, it's okay. You can make a living uh, playing professional ball in Europe. And I always ask people, you know, just casual basketball fans, who was a runner-up in 2009, you know, in the mm-hmm. NBA Finals. And Chris, very few people can really just name, you know, name who, you know, lost in championships. So I tell guys, if people don't, remember that and you don't even remember it while they remember if you're in the NBA you know or, right. or while they remember if, if you were playing in Germany making money at the end of the day you know it's, it's the opportunity to be able to take care of yourself and take care of your family and you're still making money playing the game so I would definitely take advantage of that do you there's a lot of folks I mean we we know the same kind of people in, yeah. in similar circles running into folks who parents and I guess, you know, because of the parents influence the kids too, uh, you know, Sloan, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go division two. I don't, I don't want to go yeah. any, I, I don't want to go small school. You know, do you still, how do you talk to a kid and parent about that? Um, I just tell them they have to be realistic, uh, right? Because if you want your kid to not have to pay for college, there's nothing wrong with going to Division Two playing NAIA basketball. I think a lot of people chase this Division One or bust dream. When um, honestly, um, that Division Two or NAIA scholarship, especially if it's you know you have a chance to play for free or mm-hmm. go to college for free, um, it's the same thing. I mean, Chris, you know so many guys in the NBA, especially in the front office, 
or 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 just it's it's a few guys in in the league now with the smaller schools, right? You know, a few guys with the D two NAI schools, but just people. And I always tell people, listen, if you want to work in basketball, just look at the guys in the front office of all these teams. Chris, very few. I mean, you know this. Very few of those guys play Division one basketball. Very few. True. Matter of fact, most of them are D three guys. Matter of fact, the Houston Rockets, vice president of basketball operations, played Division three basketball. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, so it's just one of those things. Like I tell parents, hey, listen, like you have to, and I always tweet this every day. You have to run your race, um, and, and and running your race may not be or may not mean that your child is a Division one player, but if they can get an education, an opportunity to learn and grow and even grow in the game of basketball at the Division two level, AI level. There's nothing wrong with that. How do people? Is your service only for coaches? Yeah, just for college coaches to subscribe. Okay. Yep, yep. I don't have a service um, available for you know public consumption. Got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Sloan. Let's let's get let's get serious. Okay. Black man to black man, African American man, African American man. Yes, sir. How how has the last few weeks impacted you? Oh, um, life in America. You know, tell me, give me your thoughts. Um, for me, it, it, it just shows, uh, you know, like how people really feel about, uh, black people in America, especially law enforcement, especially people who, um, say like the whole all lives matter thing after watching George Floyd basically get murdered on camera and people still think they can say, or it's appropriate to say all lives matter, or it's appropriate to, um, not support the, the, the Black Lives Movement. And, I mean, you see all these businesses now, Chris, like even the NFL, the hypocrisy is amazing, right? Um, you cover pro sports. When Colin Kaepernick initially kneeled, people made this deal about the flag. Oh, he's disrespecting the flag. He's disrespecting our country. And now the the Saka, uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers want to tweet Black Lives Matter and we stand with African-Americans. When two years ago, your star quarterback was saying these same things, you guys cut him, ridiculed him, made this thing a big deal, you know. So it it, it just yeah. goes back to to um, the the George Floyd thing, bringing it back. Um, me being a you know a black man with some size, um, it's crazy to think that the police who are supposed to protect you are are actually fearful of you, and they're the ones with the weapons, right? Um, so it just, you know, kind of makes me think about, uh, you know, my children, um, just how we're raising them, having to teach them about things at six, seven, eight years old, having to try to tell them that, you know, police officers should be protecting us and not killing us. And it's been definitely difficult. Um, it, it also has made me look at these corporations, companies that we've been traditionally giving our money to and how they are a little bit slow to, stand with Black Lives Matter and just kind of make me reevaluate how I'm spending my own dollar. Um, and and I, I do, when I have been the past two weeks, buying uh, from black-owned businesses, which is something I want to continue to practice because, you know, if, if we don't take care of our own, then who will? Right. And I think it was your tweet, um, I don't believe it was in response to anybody else's tweet, but I think you were making the point of folks who are you know, on the All Lives Matter tip. Oh, yeah. 
about the cancer. Think about cancer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Talk about that again, man. So my wife, uh, Brandy, she actually, you know, we were in her car talking about it. I tweeted it. She always said, I'll give her any credit, so I'm going to give her a little shout-out. But um, she, you know, it, it's like saying all lives matter during a Black Lives Matter protest or even during, you know, our current climate. It's like going to a breast cancer event and saying testicular cancer matters, right? Mm -hmm. We're saying all cancer matters. It's clear that all cancers matters. Of course, we we understand that. But this is a breast cancer event, all pink. Why would you come in wearing blue for testicular cancer? Right. Like, it wouldn't make any sense. So it's the same for the Black Lives Matter. Why would you come and scream all lives matter when we're talking about black lives? I mean, yeah, that analogy is perfect. And just so you know, I am using it. I am borrowing it to (laughs) (laughs) help enlighten some folks who just don't see what we see and think like we think. So I'm going to continue using that analogy right there. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just... You know, like, when you break it down to people and you say, hey, like, seriously, if someone said, hey, we're having this breast cancer event, we're talking about breast cancer, obviously people wear pink. Would you show up wearing a blue shirt saying testicular cancer matters? You wouldn't. No one has ever done that. I've never seen that before. That wouldn't even even make any sense. Right. Of course, course testicular cancer matters, or or of course, all cancer matters. Of course, we know that, but we're talking about breast cancer here. In this situation, it's like Black Lives. That's, we're talking about Black Lives mattering right now. What are your thoughts on the NBA restarting in Orlando? Man, it's a for me kind of being on both sides a little bit. Um, I understand the owners want to get back to play, obviously for a financial reason. Um, and even some of the players, you know, um, Chris. What a lot of people don't talk about is the mental um, health. Some you know, Chris, like some of these players, like this is their livelihood. This is all they've ever done, right? Right. And so to take that away um, for three months, something you've done since you were a little kid, and it's like some of these guys, they like, you know, most guys aren't like LeBron James, Chris. Like they don't have other companies, other entities. Like this is these guys' livelihood. This is their whole lives. And to take that away, you know, man, mentally, like that's tough. Not only to take it away, but you can't even work out. You can't get in the facility. If some of these guys they didn't even have basketball gyms or, or or basketball hoops at their own house. Right. You know? That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like these guys I mean, so it's a you know, but some of these guys it's a mental thing and like they're ready to get back to their to their lives. They're ready to get back to normal. So it's tough. But obviously, man, the the, the, the health risk there are some. Um the NBA just, you know, done his research and they've come up with several things to try to figure out you know, what may be best in the interest in everybody. Um, I feel like the NBA should be back, obviously. I'm a fan of the league. and You know, me being a former player, I would have, I would want to come back and play, like I said, just, just for the mental health aspect of it alone. Um, but, again, I understand guys like Kyrie. And even, you know, speaking of Kyrie, wanting to stand up, uh, you know, for the movement and, you know, telling guys not to play. I totally get that, too. So it, it's – Again, right now with the our current climate uh, for black people in America um, and with the NBA coming back, I, I understand both sides of it. And it, it, it's a tough thing, man, because, you know, guys have their reservations, rightfully so, but the NBA is a business. 
You know, those guys definitely understand that too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I don't want to come across as so ice cold and and all about the dollars and, you know, bash Kyrie, Dwight, right. David Bradley, you know, brothers who had that viewpoint. Right. But it's, it's business. And if, if the games don't take place, and I think, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I'd be shocked if, you know, some, a last-minute change wipes right. out this restart. Yeah. But the money lost would impact the players. Absolutely. And the players would be – the ones who'd be impacted the most are the ones you were referencing about who, who don't have the, the Kyrie money, the LeBron money, the Dwight money. Correct. Yep. Who, who don't have the hoops at their house and the cribs and stuff like that. So – it's not – I take that into account more, and I think playing in Orlando would be a bigger platform for you to share your views and right. protest and let folks know, remind folks of what's going on in America. So yep. that's, that's really where I lean more towards it. But I really want the young guys – to, because it's come out in the call a few days ago, is that they felt like they couldn't speak up. Hey, that you know, guys, speak up. You yeah. got a voice. You got an opinion. Right. Let right. the reps know where you stand, what you're thinking about. Don't right. hold the tongue. You're yeah. an NBA player too. Speak. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I think man, um, in this situation, again. Guys are kind of scared to say, I want to go play again because they don't want to be looked at as, oh, you don't care about your health or, or, or you know, you don't care about people getting COVID-19. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, some guys are thinking like, no, nah, I mean, I, I do care, but, like, I miss playing basketball. I yeah. miss being myself. Like, I miss being on the court. Like, this is my livelihood. This is how I eat. This is how I take care of my family. Um, I'm scared of what might happen if I don't play. You know the, the 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 male ego, especially at that level, is unlike anything people can understand. So, you know, guys are quiet because they, um, you know, like they they don't want to come off as cold or not being cautious. Once again, I'm, I'm speaking with Marcus Sloan. Remind folks about your upcoming event. And um, okay. Is it? Just for, I mean, it's just for the parents and the players to attend. So I'm right. I'm. I'm. I'm asking you. Can fans oh, attend? Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Fans can attend. Um, it's the Lee. It's the Lee Sloan um, Juneteenth shootout. We have um, this basketball tournament every year for my father. He was a big basketball fan, and uh, he passed away from brain cancer in 2014. So in 2015, I decided to do a basketball tournament in his honor every Father's Day weekend. Okay, so this is our um, sixth one. It'll be one of the biggest. And this will be the biggest um, AAU tournament because really it's the first tournament for a lot of teams in the, in, in the greater Houston area. So this will be one of the biggest tournaments of the um, summer. And we'll have games at MI3 Center on the north side uh, near spring. We'll have games at Legacy School of Sports and Science in spring and Harvest Time Church on the uh, northwest side. Okay. How has or has it the talent level changed at you and with our power from then to now? Um, so when I played in high school, 
Chris, uh, the only guys that played summer basketball or travel basketball on, on an elite level were guys that were all region, all state type of guys, right? So in my Aldine ISD district, there may in I'm, I'm talking about from the time I was a freshman until my senior year. So you know all the Aldine schools, Aldine, Nimitz, MacArthur, um, Eisenhower. And I think that's it. I mean, we were in the same school district, in the same district as the um, Spring Branch schools, Memorial, Spring Woods, North Brook, Stratford. Chris, it probably was maybe in all four years in my district, guys that played elite travel basketball, three guys, period, like all 10 schools, right? Mm-hmm. And so those guys were the quote unquote elite guys, all city guys. And so those guys got scholarship. Well, now, Chris, there are guys. Is probably in, a, in that same school district, maybe three kids that don't play travel basketball. You know, so the the, the, the summer AAU scene has exploded so much to whereas before there were maybe only 10 teams in the city, now there are thousands. And so it kind of waters the, the, the market down as far as talent. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. I also, I'm also an event operator. So it helps mm-hmm. me, <laughs> the, the, like, you know, the more teams, the better. But I'm also a talent evaluator, so it makes my job difficult on the other end because you know, I try to see more kids. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously we're talking 20 years. Um, in 20 years, the talent level is still talented kids in Houston, obviously always will be. Um, but I just think there are more kids playing, so it, 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 it's a perceived that it's watered down when actually the top kids are still the top kids. It's just it's more kids playing. Um, summer in AAU basketball. Is there anything you want to touch on that we haven't discussed? Um, man, just that, um, you know, for, for parents and people listening, um, kind of educate your kids man, on, on, on the climate of, of, of what's going on. Um, you guys can talk about how it impacts your family how it impacts your community, how it impacts your environment. Um, don't just be like ostriches and stick your head in the sand and wait for this to be, be over. Have dialogue with your kids. Talk about why it's important to vote. Um, talk about why it's important to protest. Um, talk about why it's important to try to understand what's going on because, you know, we're going on. It feels like, you know, some, some of the things that happened to Chris feels like it's a Jim Crow era, you know. Yeah. This is civil rights era, and this is 2020 now. You know what I'm saying? So I think what some people before us didn't do was educate us properly on, you know, what that what those times were like. What was the Jim Crow era like? What was the civil rights era really like? And, and, and how we can change, how we can get better. And I think that the more we have these discussions in home, in-house first, I think, um, you know, people will be more prepared and, and, and things will we'll be able to handle um you know, when things like protests come around and we'll be able to know what to do, how to equip ourselves, what steps we need to take, how to unify. So um, that's, that's you know, really it for me, man. I think we need to have, you know, more conversations and, and more dialogue, especially black families, about what's going on. Appreciate the time, man. And uh, we're going to keep in touch. Good luck with uh, the event coming up. And I will, um, as soon as we pick a date, to uh, discuss planning and for the which will be the 10th anniversary of the Gavi Lewis Award for the 
top boys player in, in the greater Houston area, high school ball. Mm-hmm. Let us know about that. And then, you know, let me know other folks in, you got in mind to help us out on the girls' side because girls' hoops is not my area. So yeah. I'll help market it and spread the word about it. But I need some talent talent evaluators who know girls' high school basketball in the area. So let me know about that, right. too. But Marcus Sloan. I got you. Uh, plug, your, plug your website, man. Plug your website. Plug your, uh, your Twitter. Whatever. <laughs> also, Marcus Sloan, man. OTRExposure.com is my website. Um, but that's my scouting service website, kind of, you know, where you can find my rankings of players and articles about players in the greater Houston area. Balloutevents.com is my uh, tournament business where I have all my events. And on Twitter, Big Sloan32, um, Instagram, V underscore Marcus Sloan. All right, man. Thank you very much for your time. I Thanks, you Chris. I appreciate, I appreciate it. You take care, man. Be safe. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.